This is What's the Buzz with Andrew Burkle. Yo. Check. Feeling dopamine deficient, mulling these decisions. Gotta be persistent if I want people to listen to the knowledge that I'm kicking. I know I could do it different. Rather keep my eyes locked on the truest vision, yeah. To hell with month long, right is black. I know my friends wondering, is he alright or not? Make it count in the remaining amount of time. I Hello, everybody. Welcome back to What's the Buzz. So happy to be back and releasing a new episode. We are now in the month of August, which means. My favorite thing in the whole world, football season is almost kind of sort of back. We had the Hall of Fame preseason game last Thursday, which admittedly wasn't that great. But still, football is just around the corner. So in the coming weeks, we're going to be bringing you some solid football coverage, breakdown of what to look for with this group, and some conversations with the people who will know the team best. However, today's episode, we're talking hoops. We have a super fun podcast with the boys basketball coach, Jake Fosdick. I try to pick his brain a little bit on how he plans to build his program, what he loves about basketball. We get a preview of his team this season and uh, even a little bit of Game of Thrones. So all kinds of great stuff. That interview is coming in just a bit. But first, this episode is brought to you by the Garen Law Group. The Garen Law Group is a criminal justice law firm based in Washtenaw County. Daniel T. Guerin is a board-certified trial attorney and former prosecutor with over 20 years' experience practicing law. Daniel's trial-based practice exclusively focuses on representing individuals facing a personal legal crisis, anything ranging from drunk driving to civil litigations to driver's license appeals. For the Guerin Law Group, everything is personal. GLG strives to provide personal solutions, personal attention, and personal justice. In all, Mr. Guerin has helped over 2,000 clients in criminal, civil, juvenile, and license cases, and he has completed over 200 trials. Guerin Law Group, a firm dedicated to providing extraordinary personal justice when clients need it most. Check out their webpage at www.glgmichigan.com, email info at glgmichigan.com, or call 734 734- 263-2780 for a free confidential consultation. This episode is also presented by the Celine Post. Make sure you visit thecelinepost.com where there is so much great community coverage. Navigate through the six main topics of government, police, fire, school, sports, community, and obituaries in the top left corner. There's all kinds of great content on the site right now, including stories on the recently sold KFC Taco Bell location, an update on the city's drinking water, hardness levels, and the Celine City Council agenda for August 5th. And as always, this podcast can be found on the Celine Post website, so make sure to listen to the podcast on the website as well to support local journalism. Okay, let's get to that interview with Jake Fosdick. Hey everybody, I'm here at uh, Celine High School for maybe the most last-minute planned podcast of all time uh, with Jake Fosdick. Uh, Jake, thanks for making the work, man. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, uh, all right, let's do a little background. Uh, you've been, you said five, this will be your fifth year. Yeah. When did you start coaching, and how did you decide to first start getting into coaching? Um, so, I, I played here, and then went on and got to play at Eastern Michigan for two years, and uh, my coach left Eastern and uh, I kind of decided that I was going to leave too. 
So I had two years left of college and kind of didn't know what to do. So um, kind of just went back to the Celine gym and started hanging out and helping out some guys. Um, my coach from Celine left at that point. So then I was, I was kind of stuck in limbo again. And I reached out to, at the time, athletic director Rob White. He set me up with a new coach. And I was actually supposed to just be like a, a program assistant, middle school coach. Um, and then a month before their season started, the guy he hired for his freshman coach actually got in a car accident and died. Oh, my God. Like, just out of the blue, I get a call saying, hey, you know, we need a freshman coach. You know, we start in about three weeks. Would you rather do that than middle school? Yeah, sure. So at 20, I got to be the freshman coach here. Um, that coach went on and got an athletic director job in another district, so they moved the JV coach up. I got to go move up for JV for three years, and then, you know, a couple years ago, that the varsity coach at the time had another kid, decided to leave, and uh, the job opened up here, and, you know, I was lucky enough to get it. So you said you kind of, I wouldn't say backed your way into it, but you kind of just like, it wasn't like something you planned on and you kind of just ended up there. How has that affected how you hire your assistants? I know you uh, have Eric Jacobson, one of my good right. friends on the staff and yeah. stuff. How has that affected who you bring in and who you're willing to work with and, you know, not necessarily full-time coaches and stuff? Right. I think I'm just always looking for guys who are number one passionate about the game of basketball, passionate about teaching the game. And then we're always kind of looking, what's your connection to Celine and what's your passion for the Celine program? Because for us, it's a, it's a big, it's fun to coach and doing all that, but a lot of it is the Celine program means a lot to all of us. And if you look at our staff, there's a connection to Celine, whether it's, you know, my brother, my twin brother is my assistant coach. He has the same type of grew up in Celine, wants this program to grow and be well. Eric, I always look at Eric as kind of has the same feelings towards me, former player and is just hungry to see the program grow and, and want to do well. Um, Jason Pickett is one we have on our staff who coached here for several years, worked in the schools for several years, has a family here, and, and just has that same passion to not only be around basketball, but to grow the Celine basketball you know, brand. You said coaching in Celine, you know, having that Celine background. Do you think that's even more important in trying to create this basketball program than maybe even in the, some of the other sports? Yeah, for sure. Um, the other sports are great, and they have the, a lot of them already had established cultures and established coaches, and their programs have been rolling for a while. Um, basketball program had not, um, you know, so part of it was we want we need to get this program back up to speed and, and up to the level that Celine expects, and, and you know that's my mission every morning. You wake up is how we get Celine basketball to where it belongs. You mentioned culture. Uh, culture maybe is most the most uh, important thing in all of high school sports. What do you try to do and to instill that culture with the younger kids and have that, you know, because you said there's been a lot of turnover before you got here, this will be your fifth year. Right. How are you trying to establish that culture in the lower levels? Yeah, you know, I think number one, the culture we wanted was just a, a cutthroat competitive environment. And I think that there was times where it wasn't all always about winning and what the expectations weren't there. So the first thing was lay down the expectation, the expectations that we're going to win. We're not competing with the Ann Arbor schools. We're not competing in the conference. We're going to beat them. And, and to do that, there's certain things you have to do, and you have to demand those type of things, whether it's, you know, yeah, our conditioning process is, is pretty difficult. Our practice length, our practice, our practice, you know, intensity is high the whole time. And we expect that. If I go to a middle school practice, it better be high energy. It better be engaging. Uh, you know, our middle school coaches do a great job of continuing that culture and, and expectations. So it starts with just 
meeting with the younger coaches, the youth coaches, all that stuff, getting them, you know, comfortable with me, and then making sure we're all on the same page of what's expected out of our program. You mentioned cutthroat. What does that word mean to you? Win at all cost. And I know that's, you know, a lot of people in today's age, is, it's not about that. You know, a lot of people are here to have fun and stuff like that. To me, winning's fun. And you can have fun, but if you're losing, you're not going to be doing this very long. So um, we want guys who are going to do whatever it takes for Celine to win. Um, and if you're, if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to be around here. And uh, that's kind of been the theme of our, you know, the tenure I've been here with is we've got guys who – We'll do a lot of things to win. You know, looking back at, you know, I think Ryan Foley, Jacob Finkbeiner, Emmett Turner were guys that embraced that mindset and really helped us grow our program. How important are those program guys, like the guys you just mentioned, to creating uh, the culture, not that, not just a winning culture, but the winning culture that you imagine? Uh, yeah, it's extremely important. And, you know, the biggest thing was, you know, my example of that is our, my first senior class, we had Matt Rosati, who was an all-conference you know, all conference guard, and he was struggling with his shot. And practice ends, and I'll go, you know, lift or run after practice. We, we practice late, and Matt's got the shooting machine out, and he's shooting. And then about two days later, do the same thing. Next thing I know, I got three other guys with him shooting. So the expectation was – I'm staying in the gym. Our leader's staying in the gym. He got others to stay in the gym. And then next year, it just became a thing that, you know, our, our seniors or our players were staying after to shoot a half hour, an hour after practice. So when you got leaders like that who are willing to put the time in and set that example, you know, everything carries over. So as part of the competitive environment, at this point in our my career, it's our seniors are setting the table. You know, Emmett Turner, this is how we do things here and the younger guys feed off of that. And I think, you know, that's what's going on right now. Basketball, the word talent is associated with it a lot. Uh, you either have it or you don't sometimes. How have you tried to close the gap between you and some of the other schools, especially statewide, that may have a little bit more talent? Well, I think in basketball there's talent and then there's athleticism and then there's skill. So, I, you know, we're probably never going to have the most athletic or size-wise team, um, you know, and if we do, great, and that'll, that'll be a fun run too, but that's not how it's always going to be. So you can counter that stuff with skill. You can counter that stuff with shooting ability. We, we were talking before we started the ability to space the floor with three-point shooting, the ability to create an advantage with a pick and roll or execution. So a lot of our stuff has been with focusing on you know the execution on the offensive end the screening the ball movement we think we can do that better than a lot of the more athletic teams we think that we can take away the paint defensively better than a lot of the more athletic teams um, and those are just different ways that we're going to counter it um, maybe not being as athletic than them but we can control the pace of a game we can control the shots we're getting and and maybe control our toughness how often do you sit on the couch watching basketball and say oh wow that box and one or that two, three zone or that how they're defending stuff when they only have one good shooter. How often are you saying we need to use this or somebody might use this against us and that whole mindset? <laughs> I would say, you know, my assistants will be listening to this probably every day. Um, <laughs> there's not a TV in my family that doesn't have like a notepad around it. And we just constantly jotting down notes or looking up articles. Um, there are, we joke that our staff group chat there's no time limit on if you see an idea, you send it. Or if you see a tweet about from pick and pop or whatever, 
you, you send that thing and, and we all talk about it. And you know, are we going to use the idea? You know, 60% of the time, we're probably not. But there's, you know, 40% chance that that could help us win a game or that could help us win a possession. So you're always looking for just one little thing that's going to, you know, change the outcome of a game. And we're open to anything here. Uh, you mentioned shooting earlier. And shooting is something that you can work on, you can improve. And it's something that can make up for a talent differential or uh, athleticism differential sometimes. Uh, how much do you base it off, you know, the NBA, the whole moving towards space and shooting? How much has that uh, revolution kind of helped give Celine more of a chance? Um, yeah, no, it's a huge, huge thing for us. I'm a big believer in the analytics stuff and that the three-point shot or the layup are the shots that we're going to take. Um, you know, my all the kids in our program know that two-point jump shot is not a great shot for us. Now, this year we have Trevor Rico, who's a great mid-range shooter, and he knows that he's got the green light in that area. Um, but a spot-up three-point shot off a drive inside out is a high, high percentage shot, and, and that's one we want, or we want one going to the rim. Those are the two shots. Um, and then, or driving and forcing a foul. You know, we're big on the free throws, paint, or three-point shot, and just math-wise, that's going to help out our efficiency offensively. Is that the mindset you've always had, kind of buying into an analytics, or has the way the NBA has kind of moved towards that, the way the sport and all of sports have kind of moved towards it, you're more open-minded? Right. I think it, it just, you know, just made sense, and then you see more teams doing it and doing it, and now it's, you know, it's on a whole nother level. Um, but it's something that we've always kind of looked at that, what are the best shots to get? And then, you know, I heard Stan Van Gundy speak at a clinic about it probably f four years, maybe my first year coaching varsity four or five years ago. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Those are the highest percent shots. And in Celine, where we might not have a basketball focused kid all the time, we need to focus on the higher efficiency shots. And, uh, you know, that's what it kind of we talk about all the time. Stan Van Gundy was kind of one of the first people to kind of buy into it. He had the right, Dwight the Howard Orlando inside Magic, out. Yeah. Hito Turkoglu playing the stretch four. <laughs> Hito was so Reddit. ahead of his time. Right. And uh, Lewis, what was Lewis's first name? Uh, they well, moved him to the four. Oh, Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis. And yeah. Just, you know, just spacing the floor with shooters, throwing it inside, causing double teams, creating the advantage. We say advantage basketball. If you can get two guys to play you and then make the right read off that, you know, good things happen. Yeah, we were talking before this about LeBron and Anthony Davis, how right. they'll be able to just pick their matchups whenever they want. Whoever they – you know, we'll find the slower guy and just go after him. Yeah, and I'm trying to get a 10-day contract and be a corner shooter for the Lakers. <laughs> exactly, and see if yeah. I can get 10 points a game for them. They could probably use your shooting. Right, they need right. any shooter they can, they exactly. can get at this point. They need to get them. <laughs> Would you say you're more of an NBA or a college fan? I'm a college fan. Just the culture and in and, and the college game, just the execution of stuff. The NBA, you're still – they're still the best players in the world. So, yeah, that play looked great, but I don't have Kevin Durant on my team. Mm -hmm. um, I like watching, like, the mid-major type teams and the teams that probably do more with less and then, you know, going from there and watching them. Is there a certain program or coach that you try to model yourself after? Yeah, you know, when I took over, I told him I wanted to make this um, the butler of high school basketball. Um, obviously, Brad Stevens is with the Celtics now, but watched a ton of – the 2010-2011 tournament runs that Butler did, and I just always thought that you can make a tough, physical, older team who executes, who defends. Those are the type of teams that we're going to get here. So those are kind of, you know, that style of play is what I kind of fell in love with and, and what watching now. Um, Belmont in this year's NCAA tournament, the Davidson teams, the way they move the ball, 
it, that that's what I really like the most. Theoretically, uh, anybody can have a tough-minded, you know, uh, older team, but not many teams are able to pull it off. What, right. what do you think is the difference between Brad Stevens and some of the other mid-majors and a the, the rest of the teams who can't pull it off but are trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I think it's what you emphasize and, and really what you demand as a coach or as a program. Um, it's Yeah, it's easy to say that you're a tough physical basketball team. How do, you, how do you emphasize that every single day? Are you doing drills? Are you rewarding toughness? Are you, are you talking about it with your team? Or are you just hoping that they, they're thinking the same thing you are? And, and at the end of the day as a coach, you can't emphasize everything, but you can emphasize a select few things that if I just go and talk to your team after practice, they're going to tell me the top three things that coach wants to see, and those are what's going to show out most on the court. What, from your experience, has been the hardest part about coaching basketball at Saline? The hardest thing about coaching basketball, well, number one, is the competition level is unreal. Um, I wouldn't say that's, you know, I guess hard. It's, it's what we want, but uh, I really believe that the baske- basketball in the SEC is the toughest sport. It's the most competitive sport, you know, really undebatable. The best athletes in Washtenaw County play basketball, and you can see that by just the kids going to college and the kids that are getting rated and stuff like that. So just keeping everybody understanding that this is what we're going against. You can't get too high or too low on yourself when you're going against these teams, and we just got to be able to regroup and go at them again and, and just keep that confidence that, yes, we can beat them, but understand that there's going to be a time where it doesn't look pretty and we just got to grow from that for sure can you give us a little bit of a preview a little bit of a breakdown of what the team's gonna be looking like next year yeah so um, we, re- we return nine players from last year's team we were a pretty young team last year we lost Pete Jacobson and Logan Evans who are, are huge parts and still roles we're trying to fill um, but you know return two all-conference guards and Griffin Yaklich and Trevor Rico. Um, both of them are, you know, college basketball players or will be um, that I think are, you know, tough matchups for a lot of the conference. Um, you know, Derek Caldwell, Jaden Pickett, um, Nathan Holmberg, Cooper Fairman are all part of those younger guys, Anthony Ferrari, that were up last year and got a lot of experience just being around the varsity culture. Um, so they're returning and, again, competing for roles in that kind of third guard spot, um, big man spot. Um, Tyler Belskis is back, which is huge for us. He, you know, he came off, came on late last year, and is a really long defensive athlete who can shoot the ball. So, and then the JV team went like 17 and three. So you got, we got a lot of talent around us. Now it's figuring out how how it's all going to work. You know, the conference is still loaded. Huron returns everybody. Lincoln's the defending state champs. Pioneer and Skyline are Pioneer and Skyline. Um, Ipsy's there. Belleville's in our district, so it's never easy. But yeah. You know, I feel confident that we're going to figure it out this year and make a good run at it. What style of play – you said you mentioned you have those two st- you, those two guards. Yeah. How is that going to change your style of play this year, and what are you guys going to emphasize? Right. Every year you kind of – us as a coaching staff get together and figure out, okay, what are our big strengths, especially offensively. And, and for us it's Griffin Yaklich in a pick and roll is, is really dangerous, just his decision-making and size out of that allows us to do some cool things and again create the advantage and now we're playing four on three and moving them ball and getting open shots um, and then Trevor Rico's a lights out shooter I would put him up with any shooter in the state so you know teams are going to guard him differently and that allows him to one get guys open with screens um, come off screens ready to shoot um, so really trying to get Trevor a, a look trying to get Griffin in the paint making plays 
and, and then finding one more piece that we can use as, as a weapon. And, and that's where, you know, we got the rest of the summer and fall to figure that, you know, that third option out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what summer is obviously a really important time for yeah. basketball because it's the time you get better. It's yeah. the time you improve your body. It's the time you shoot a lot. What do you guys have any specific goals for the summer that you're working towards? Yeah, we actually just finished June's our big month. So we just finished um, summer leagues and we went to two camps, went to Finley, Ohio, and then played over at U of M's camp. And again, the goal is just to get guys different experiences, get guys playing at a little uncomfortable level and getting used to the pressure that, that they're going to see at the varsity level. Um, so we did see that. We played a lot of great competition, played Clarkson, who's a you know state power every year played Lima, Ohio, where um, Xavier Simpson's dad is coaching and, you know, just good athletes and a good team and, uh, you know, put our guys in situations where they're going to have to figure things out and kind of the summer's time for you to figure it out on your own and then uh, go from there. Now going into July, August, it's all about skill development. It's about weight room. So, you know, it's up to the guys to get in the gym and get a lot of shots up. So you are a knockdown shooter and work on your ball handling. And, you know, we focus on the skill work, not necessarily – team stuff it's all about individuals getting better and then come november we're back to getting everybody ready for a, for a run basketball is different because football is really really tough to practice right. by yourself yeah or with two or three people right basketball you can play two on two you can play one on one you can play pickup anytime yeah how does that make the off season even more important it does because there's guys working on their skill at any time of the day and you might think you're working hard but some kid from here on just worked out with their coach and now he's in his driveway shooting so you know it just gives you the opportunity there's no excuse not to be a great shooter I don't think if, if you're really willing to put in the work and it just takes repetition 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 um, so yeah it's, it's important because again like I said the athletes in our conference are basketball players and they're working every day and, and if we're not doing it we're, we're losing a day all right we're going to take a quick break and then uh, switch gears to the off-topic topics Okay, we're back with the off-topic topics, some questions about uh, some non-basketball-related stuff. Do you play video games? And if so, what's your favorite video game right now? I am not a big video game guy. Never have been? No, not really. Um, One, I think it was our parents kept us away from video games pretty young. I think we got like an N64 in like fifth or sixth grade, and by then everyone was better than me at video games. Um, In college, I was a big Madden and uh, uh, NHL guy. Yeah. Those are the... The games I would play. I still love some Madden here and there. Yeah, I could, yeah. There's nothing like that. Yeah. What is your favorite cheat food? Favorite cheat food. I'm a big popcorn guy. Popcorn. Lots of butter. Loaded up. Movie, Extra salt. Yeah. Nah. Eh, light on the salt, but <laughs> load up with butter at the movies. That you know, that's probably my go-to. If you won the lottery after you went to the, to uh, the gas station, you left here, you won the lottery. What would be the first three things that you'd buy? First three things I'd buy. Man, that's good. Um, a new car. I go get like a big SUV and just deck that thing out. Um, how much money we got here, man? Hundred million. Probably just take a. Probably go get a house and a car and then go get a trip, get on a plane or something like that. And yeah, you know, fall out for a little bit, get yeah. on a boat. <laughs> yeah, go somewhere uh, warm by the water. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> What's your uh, favorite non-basketball sport? Football. Football. What do you yeah. like about football? I just football is the ultimate team game. I love the strategy and the impact you know a coach can make in football. Um, yeah, I you know watch football coaches probably just as much as basketball coaches and what they're doing and the innovations they're using in that game. It's really pretty crazy what a football coach can do. Just not 
only from yeah. a culture standpoint and like recruiting and, and all that stuff in college but then like even in high school just creating advantages like right. and more than any and other thing it's we, crazy. us and selena are probably spoiled and and seeing that and what coach Polka can do and what he's done here is just you know it's inspiring and i'm a huge fan of his and you know lucky enough that he lets me come to his practices and see how they do things and have a good relationship with him and discussing stuff like that so. so do you got do you use that as an example of to your guys of hey football once upon a time not that long ago when i was in right. high school oh when i was growing up what, they weren't any good even you when told i me my, Selena's at ford field yeah no, my not. sophomore year of high school which was only like six or seven years ago Celine was terrible mm-hmm. by my junior year senior year now they're competing for state titles do you guys use that as an example of what basketball yeah, could be all the time and the buy-in he got and uh and you know not a lot changed it was just you know again what he demanded his emphasis and you know those type of things and the discipline that they have and the guys that come in and lift and it is a huge example and yeah we're not you know we always say we're not that far off from that and, and that's the perfect example of what they did and you know hopefully we can get our program to that point what is your least favorite month of the year least favorite month of the year it's probably it's probably august for what reason i just there's nothing going on in august for me you know working in the schools and then coaching and you know it's a dead period yeah not a whole lot going on free agency's over by then free yeah there's nothing (laughs) it's the true twitter feed's just dead right now i got yeah the worst days in sports are actually i think the wednesday and thursday after the all-star game or it's like oh yeah when there's just no, no baseball NBA no, no nba <laughs> no like literally right. nothing it's like incredible uh what is the subject that you hated the most in school and then the class that you hated most in college um science i i just it just bores me and i and that's why i struggled with it looking stuff up in the book just I was terrible at science. It was my worst two classes. Um, Mr. Denzen, Mr. Heslop, they're both great guys. They're still here, <laughs> great teachers. Just could not get interested in that subject. And it always felt like when you're taking those standardized tests, that was the end of the test. So it's like oh, you just yeah. went through all of it. And now we got to read about some animals or something like that. It's like, it just does not interest me. Those standardized test science cl- uh, questions, I swear they're trying to trip you yeah. up more and than they're any looking at other graphs question. and stuff. And the graphs <laughs> are like so hard in your eyes. Your eyes are all strained from the first three subjects. Yeah. Could not, could not find any interest in that. Yeah, so for sure. And then in college, um, I took an astro. I needed one more science to, you know, graduate. Took astronomy, and you know, again, did not Nothing. interest me. <laughs> Everyone was talking about going up and looking at the stars, and like, yeah, they're stars, man. They look, it, it looks great, but yeah, once yeah. you have to actually start memorizing them, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, that's a good question too. Favorite athlete of all time. Uh, you know, I, I'm going right now just because of what's going on. I'm a big Steph Curry guy, and how, I mean, like we've talked, how he changed basketball and, and more of just a skill game. And he's, you know, not the biggest, strongest, quickest, but he worked on his handle. He's a shooter. You know, those type of things that he's kind of a, you know, made himself a great athlete instead of just being born with it. Um, so he's pretty inspiring to me. I was a big Chauncey Billups fan growing I up. I love Chauncey. Know, the, the 0-4 Pistons are still by far my favorite team. So mm-hmm. his command and, and leadership was, was pretty huge for me. People don't respect Chauncey's game enough. I mean, because the stats, stats-wise, no. I mean, you look at him now, you're like 16, 17 points yeah. a game. But back then – Ran for, that whole team. I mean – they were scoring 75, 80 points in some games. Right. So 16, 17 is not – that's good. And that was the talk that the Pistons didn't have an all-star. Until they traded Chauncey, everything kind of fell apart. Like So he kind of was their yeah. star. Mm-hmm. And you're right, didn't get enough credit. But 
big body guard, shoots it, did it all. Just, yeah, great player. Who's the funniest player that you've ever coached? Funniest player I've ever coached? Um, I would say Nate Gresser. Nate Gresser? Nate Gresser was one of the all-times, and he can – he, he had a, a very good talent of in a stressful moment or a time where I was not ready to laugh, he could make you laugh, whether it was show up to practice in short shorts or um, multiple comments where, you know, you make that comment and you don't think that's going to be a funny moment, but it turned out it's like, man, he had the guts to say that, so I guess I'll, I'll laugh at him. He was willing to stick his neck out for it. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, I think, yeah, he just had a lot of guts, which, yeah. you know, you've got to respect. Yeah. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? The worst movie I've ever seen. I hated Avatar. Really? And I'm going to say, I, <laughs> it always comes to my mind because we were in the movies and I, I like trying to stay awake and I'm trying to get a feel if my friends are liking it. And then my one friend like me goes, this movie's terrible. <laughs> I'm bored out of my mind, but I guess like everyone, good animation or something, but yeah. I, I just couldn't get into it. It's funny because I, I think about this so more than I probably should actually, right. but <laughs> there you, how many often do you go see a movie that you like don't want to see, you know, right. like, especially nowadays with Netflix and everything, yeah. like you're not really watching movies unless you actually want to see it. You right. Know? Right. So yeah, that one was one that got highly rated. I was like, yeah, go see it. And I was like, it's just a bunch of blue people. Running yeah. Around, right? <laughs> now there's like six play. more coming out. Apparently yeah, yeah. I won't be watching. <laughs> what is your favorite show to binge watch? Um, Game of Thrones. I'm a huge Game of Thrones guy, even though season eight was extremely so disappointing. disappointing and God, so I kind of want to redo on it. But Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, yeah, like two or three years ago, my friends got me hooked on it, and became, I got a little addicted. Who's your favorite character? Um, this is gonna, this is, um, people aren't going to be happy with this. Jamie Lannister. Oh, that's and Just the that's character right. development and, and starting out in a kind of a bad guy role, but... His development throughout the whole show was pretty sweet. I thought that was, um, especially before going into season eight, I thought he, like, the character development, like, first season one, he pushes Bran out of the tower. Right. He's your least favorite he's character. He's the bad guy. He killed And he literally killed by the, the end, he's, like, your favorite character. Right. It's like, this guy, that's unbelievable story building. Didn't it die the way I wanted him to? Thought he could have had a better ending. But, I know, yeah. Did you, know. you think, did you like how he went back to Cersei, left Bran? Uh, Bran? You know, I kind of thought he needed to be the one to kill Cersei. Like, I was about filling that prophecy, but... You know, I guess I'm not George R. R. Martin or whatever. <laughs> who are the writers? You know? Well, they just had more time. <laughs> yeah. More than six episodes. That's what I just keep saying. Right, right. All right, man. That's uh, that's going to be all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, making it work the last minute here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for Jake Fosdick. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back soon with football coverage.